Hello and welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's drab nil-nil draw with Man City. Carl, not too many uh, big events to talk about in this one, but I guess you could sort of expect a circumspect approach from United after that disappointing defeat to Leipzig. Yeah, Vivek, I thought... So one word that we've been using consistently over the last couple of weeks has been naivety, right? And that's something that we wanted to eradicate. And I think, you know what, Ole did a good job of eradicating that. We were not naive in today's game. I was actually happy with a lot of things that I saw. Yes, we didn't come away with a victory, but the manner in which we played and the areas where we improved left a lot of positives at the end for me. And I think we can build upon this in a very important December. We're in a good position in the league. It was a good point that will come in handy later on in the season. So so I was happy. Obviously, three points is better than one, but I'll take it. Where do you think we improved the most compared to that Leipzig game? I think the discipline would be the biggest thing. And this ties into what you said about naivety. You look at the formation... You look at split forwards, you look at Scott McTominay and Fred together, you needed that discipline. And Fred is someone who is always going to guarantee that you could see just how much United were missing him against Leipzig. You see how much Aaron Juan Visaka enjoys that Raheem Sterling matchup. That was, that was fantastic. I didn't jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I put it in the notes. Maybe a bit too early for your liking, but I, I was—I uh, saw you put that on the Google Doc, and I was like, "Please, please erase it immediately." <laughs> <laughs> I thought Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof were excellent together in their partnership. Luke Shaw, who we often criticize for his lack of discipline, I thought was actually solid and made some pivotal plays. So defensively, I thought the discipline was there. Would have liked to see some better passing from Bruno. I thought there were opportunities where United could have got out and he missed out on some passes that you would usually expect him to make. And I thought Marcus Rashford was pretty disappointing as well. I was, If I, if I was the manager, I actually would have subbed off Rashford instead of Greenwood. I know both were maybe subpar, but... I thought Greenwood just had a bit more threat than Rashford in this one. See, here's the thing. I, I've thought about it, and I think the tactics have a large part to play, when, especially when it comes to Marcus and Mason. Because if you look at the way Ole set up, when we were attacking, they call it a split forward, where both of our forwards are playing pretty close to the wings. There's nobody up top, right? So when a Rashford or a Mason gets the ball, they're usually outnumbered two to one. Right? And so they, they either pull a trick and they get past someone if they're quick enough and, and they go through, or they got to play it back. Right, So it doesn't really play to some of Marcus's strengths. And so I thought he could have been a little bit more involved in the game. But Mason was way more involved than Marcus, so to that point. But I would say that I, would, my, I myself would reserve judgment on Marcus just because of the way the tactics were set up it wasn't to his strength. And so from an attacking point of view, unless Bruno was able to play him in behind, there was not much he could do given the way we were playing. Looking at the way the match played out, obviously it was extremely cagey. 
both sides, I would say, went for that disciplined approach. Were you surprised that City weren't as assertive? I know one thing I was talking to you about is the fact that City aren't the attacking threat that they used to be. When I assess City before, I, I feel like they've just been okay this season. They've been pretty solid defensively, which is what Guardiola has been looking to improve. But their attacking threat, I don't look at them with the same fear that I did in seasons past. And it's funny, in general, maybe we shouldn't look at this fixture with as much fear as we do. Because in 12 matches that Guardiola has managed the derby, it's five wins, five losses, and two draws. Yeah, no, you're right. I think it's just just because City have won the title comes with that fear, right? And if I'm being honest, if I was a City fan, I think they shade, as they showed United way too much respect. You saw Leipzig just go for it, right? And I think if City just went for it, they, I, I actually had the prediction that they would win the game today, right? Mm-hmm. So I think maybe Pep isn't as confident in his backline just yet. However... I think they've just set a record for their club with most clean sheets in a row, if I'm not mistaken. So I know actually one of the stats that was thrown out was that, yeah, compared to last season, City have conceded a few amount of goals, but they've also scored half of what they scored uh, at the same point last season, which is uh, astounding, right? So to to your point, they're definitely trying to tighten it up and and go the, the more conservative route. We'll see if that pays dividends or not, because right now they're positioned in the table. They're still one point below United. That's the truth. I had to throw that in there. (laughs) You got to get that in there, right? Like, I mean, there's a lot of negative ways to view United and people will always harp on that. But from the Premier League perspective, yeah, home results have maybe not been quite what United want. Now, through six league matches, they've only scored three goals. But at the end of the day, they're still four points off the top. They're right there. And if someone told me that 11 matches in, I would absolutely take it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, this game had so many fascinating things going on. I think from the neutral perspective, it could have been a pretty boring affair. But if you were a fan of either side and you looked at the game from a tactical standpoint, there were so many things going on. I myself was extremely engaged because you had both teams set up similarly with the two defensive midfield options, right? However, mm-hmm. United were playing it a little differently from City. Uh, United's two defensive mids were always in the center of the park, making sure they took care of De Bruyne, Mares, Sterling. Not, not so much Sterling because Sterling was way out wide, right? Whereas City, with their two defensive mids, what they were doing was they were telling their fullbacks to push up. And basically, Fernandinho was acting as an auxiliary uh, left back or right back. Right, the cover. So it showed it actually showed Ole what he could do with his formation if he wanted to tweak it. Now the second thing where I feel that Ole missed the trick is he played the split forward where there was nobody in the center, like a Cavani, to kind of hold the ball up. Now he did switch this up in the second half where when Martial came on, you saw you saw him hold the ball up. It was actually sticking to him this time, unlike the last time he played where he, it almost looked like he was a uh, concrete wall and you were just playing bounce off that wall Um, (laughs) he was giveaway central for sure giveaway central that's a good way of putting it and so i thought as soon as he did that he was able to not only pull the defender out of position but if he laid it off quick enough 
we actually could have had people running in behind, right? And so I'm curious to understand why Ole didn't want to play that right in the beginning. Because that's what City did. They had Jesus doing exactly that, right? And you saw one of the chances that actually came about. Probably City's best chance when Mara's had that shot on De Gea. That was all because there was somebody in the middle to create that, right? And then De Bruyne had one hell of a first-time pass to Mara's and De Gea made a good save there. But I just thought, you know, from a tactical standpoint, there were so many things to learn. And I hope Ole can actually steal some of those plays from Man City because I think it can really benefit us in the future. One thing I think he definitely shouldn't steal from City is just how gun-shy they seemed in the final third. There were a bunch of times where that ruthless City that we usually think about, they just didn't shoot the ball. And that Mara's chance that you're talking about, I thought one touch, boom, the shot was going to come. By the time he shot the ball, there was no chance that ball was going in. Because Harry Maguire had already placed himself exactly where basically that placed shot was going to go. There was no power on it whatsoever. Right at the end too, when Jesus was through, Mm -hmm. I was like, how did he not shoot the ball? Yeah, that's a good point actually. Several times they had opportunities to shoot. I think the only guy who who was wanting to shoot was De Bruyne, right? And he had some shots blocked and some over the net, but you're right. I mean, Sterling, I completely understand. This guy has the yips against United. Right, we've we've seen uh, David de Gea torment him in the past, and then ever since Aaron Wan Basaka has come in, that has been a nightmare matchup for him. You know, maybe let's get into that a little bit. Why do you think Aaron Wan Basaka is so effective against Raheem Sterling? I, I think one of the reasons is that Sterling he likes to take players on, as opposed to running in behind, right? Because if yeah. you actually look at where Wan Basaka is found wanting. It's when a player runs in behind and you look at what Angelino did to him, right? He pulled him all the way out wide and then with that left foot, he either crossed it early. He didn't go to the byline that often, right? Sterling loves to go to the byline, right? And Juan Basaka knows he's got in his arsenal those long legs and he will cross, he will cut out any cross that's coming in. The one time Sterling did get the better of him was when he pulled that fake and cut inside. Now, I think that if Sterling did that a little bit more frequently, one-on-one against Juan Bissaka, he might have more success. I would take it one step further. Part of why that happened was off a one-two. And you saw those one-twos where he would lay it off and then go in behind. That's what created the advantage for him where Juan Bissaka is kind of on his heels now. Yes, absolutely. So I think Raheem doesn't play enough one-twos. He holds the ball quite a bit. And that plays right into Juan Bissaka's strengths. So that's why I think uh, Raheem has made a permanent home in uh, Juan Bissaka's left pocket. United did have a few chances that are worth talking about. 11th minute early on, Bruno, uh, first of all, gets a great ball from Pogba and that leads to a corner. What did you make of the ball that came in? Do you think McTominay had any opportunity to direct that towards goal? Because I felt like it bounced at such an awkward place where it was tough. It was going to be tough to get any type of decent placement on it. If I'm being honest, I think... So obviously they've they've played this in practice because this happened multiple times in the game. So Scott knows, okay, I need to make that far post run. Lindelof is going to come to the near post, flick it on. 
I don't think that Scott had the belief that Lindelof was going to get on the end of that. And so if you actually look, Scott made the run, but he didn't have the intent. And so when he finally saw the ball coming, he was one step behind. I think if Scott like had full belief, like, hey, I'm getting this far post, the ball is coming to me, that's in the back of the net. Because the second time it happened in the game, Scott was ready for it. And you could see the difference between Scott being ready for it versus on his heels. And I think that was the difference between a, a nil-nil and a one-nil right there. I mentioned that that all started with a ball from Pogba to Bruno. Within the context of this match alone, obviously we've made clear our views on Pogba and what we think his long-term future is and that it's not at United. But I thought within the context of this match, this was a really good performance. He might have dropped off a little bit in the second half, but especially that first half, the number of times he was going up for headers and winning them, getting in there on 50-50 balls, teeing up United, going forward on, on occasions as well. I was really happy with his performance. Yeah, you, you talk about the word discipline, right? And, and usually the lack of discipline showed by him. He was very disciplined. He, it's almost like he knew how to play that position. And it was all a case of, do I want to play that position, right? And clearly, mm. there's some switch that's been uh, flicked in his head where he's like, okay, if I want to move on, I need to show other teams what I can do. Something tells me there aren't too many offers for him at the moment. And that is giving him some extra motivation for him to be a little bit more disciplined and show what he's capable of. And you could really see it shine through there. I mean, he's a, this guy is 6'4", and he's got, he's got a good leap on him. If he's jumping in the air and timing it, like nobody is getting the ball ahead of him, right? And you could clearly see that today. Even when he was defending, he was tracking back, he was making sure he was engaged. He wasn't switching off as soon as the ball was behind him. He was tracking Kyle Walker. Extremely impressive. Uh, and you know what? The one thing Ole said, which I agree, there's certain players in the past at the club who, who maybe didn't want to be there and they kind of down tools. And all, uh, and Pogba has not done that. He's still shown the hunger needed. And so, you know what? If we're paying the guy and he's a world-class player, we might as well make use of him if he wants to play, right? Now, my question to you is that, should he be playing? Because you're now giving up a spot for someone else who, who could be who wants to give his all for the club, wants to stay here. What's your thoughts on that? I still lean towards on some level, he needs to at least come out and make some statement to counter Rayola and just be positive about the Manchester United situation. No one is asking you to come out and say, oh, I, I bleed United red and I want to be at the club forever. No one is asking you to say that. No, Everyone knows that that would be uh, a bunch of bullocks. Uh, but I think you can just say that, yeah, I'm here at Manchester United. I want to win games for Manchester United. And I want to perform to the best of my ability. I think something as simple as that from a PR stand standpoint can go a long way. If he can continue to talk with his performances on the pitch, the way uh, he performed against Leipzig after coming on, the way he performed in this match, because in addition to using that 6-4 frame aerially, even on the ground, those possessions where he has the ball and he's bringing the ball up, and you could see City uh, midfielders just trying to bother him from behind, and he's 
you know, just sort of swatting them away like flies. He is someone that is going to do another club a great service once he's happy. He's obviously not happy here, but if he can just be happy in this moment and recognize that these performances now are going to help him move on to another club, then there is a middle ground to be found. What do you think is the message being sent to those players on the bench like the Van der Beeks or Matiches or, you know, those guys who are like, all right, so it's okay to mess around, but and I'll still get some game time. I think Solskjaer diffuses some of that because he makes clear that Pogba is showing the commitment at the training ground. I think it's a different thing if, you know, if he's like the players that Solskjaer alluded to from the past who were not showing up for training, who were not doing the things that are expected of a player who's being paid to then be on the pitch for the big games and be starting. But if he's showing that commitment, as a teammate, I would look at, you know, the Rayola situation and all that and be like, okay, it's not ideal. What is your commitment level? But if he's showing it every day in training and practice, whatever it is, then, okay, it is what it is. Then he's just playing because he's better than me. And I need to step up my my game. All right, fair enough. I think, yeah, if you're doing all the right things in training, which is asked of you, then whatever happens, you know, outside the club, can be handled a little differently, right? Because I guess at the end of the day, it's not Pogba coming out and saying these things. It's his agent. Mind you, I think like there's a lot of people who are speaking on behalf of Pogba. So I, uh, I'm i a little apprehensive. Let's put it that way. That's fair. Now, let's move on to the other star midfielder. What did you make of Bruno's performance? I know I was a little frustrated with, uh, I guess you could say his radar being off in this one because I thought there were opportunities that let's face it because of the way he's performed I would expect those passes to be made and I just felt overall he, he was off today I the my perspective on Bruno is that he makes passes that nobody else makes he tries to make the passes he does it on a very regular basis and it has a high degree of difficulty and he's just been at that level where he's been able to pull it off right now, the one thing is, if you tell him to change or tone his game down, you might lose that edge, right? And I, this brings me back to when Wayne Rooney was a youngster at the club and he had a bit of that fire, that temper to him, right? And was always susceptible to that red card. And then you had people saying, this guy needs to tone it down to be at the highest level. And Ferguson said, you know what, like, this is what makes Wayne Rooney, Wayne Rooney, right? If I take that away from him, he's no longer Wayne Rooney. So the same thing is that I would apply to Bruno where, you know what, keep going for those passes because if you miss nine and get the 10th one, guess what? We're getting a goal, right? And one of the things that United has been a thorn in their side is whenever teams parked the bus at the back before Bruno came in, we didn't know how to break them down and we would always tie those games and all of us as fans were so frustrated, right? So I'm okay with Bruno having these games every now and then. You can see the desire, uh, and and you know what? These are bound to happen, so I, I wouldn't put a lot of stock into that, uh, personally. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, I, I fully agree that he should be going for these passes. I'm just saying, within the context of just looking at this match, I, I, I think this was one of his poorer performances. 
Yeah, I, I think it wasn't his best game. That's that's for sure. The other thing I'll say is by no means do I want to discourage him from going for those passes, but maybe there is a bit of a basketball analogy to be made where you know you, you see players, bona fide scorers in the league who come out and they're struggling with their jump shot. And what does everyone say? Hey, go get yourself an easy one. Yeah. Right? Get to the free throw line, make a layup, whatever. Just see the ball go in the basket. So maybe, you know, when that, that sat-nav is a little off, just uh, get yourself going with some nice, easy plays, some easy passing, get yourself into a rhythm, and then you're like, okay, let's go. <laughs> I mean, I think what usually gets Bruno's game going is a good penalty every now and then. And uh, <laughs> United almost had one today if it was not for uh, Marcus's right foot. <laughs> oh, man. But... If I'm being completely honest, I was I was actually glad that was called offside. Because I thought that would have been such a soft penalty to give. When I saw the replay, I was legitimately disappointed in Marcus. I'm like, come on, man. You don't need to go down for that. I, I thought there was still enough opportunity for him to just keep going at the ball. And it's a situation now where do you hate the player or do you hate the game? And are these and these players are doing it because the game VAR has dictated that it's an easy opportunity to get a penalty, and so the percentages of scoring off a penalty versus a sh- the type of shot he would have been able to get off in that situation under duress, he's going for the penalty. So yeah, Vivek, I think this is definitely a case of of hate the game more than hate the player, and I just believe that. You know, looking at the context of this game, Marcus knew that the one goal most likely will determine the result in this game. And so knowing how referees are calling it these days and the fact that they really slow it down as opposed to looking at things in real real speed, that would have been a penalty, right? Now, just looking at it from a purist standpoint, I'm with you in that, you know what, it, you shouldn't go down for things like that, right? It, it didn't really change your balance or anything because he actually was fine he landed with two feet and then he went down right so it was more of a mental thing as opposed to like an actual foul so yeah i think uh, i don't know how you change that if i'm being honest i just think that players are going to get smarter and these are things that are going to be part and parcel of the game unfortunately that that makes makes a lot of sense to me hopefully it's something that we can try and drive out for the players thinking because obviously you want to see the game played as naturally uh, as possible and just in a flow so yeah that that penalty united didn't get early in the second half could have changed the complexion of the match it seemed fairly even for about those first 15 minutes but after that united just got overran i thought in their own defensive third where they'd have possession and they were trying to work out of the back and if the peak was that one play that they had in the first half where they had maybe the most beautiful buildup I've ever seen from United post-Ferguson. The one with Scott, Bruno, and Aaron Wan-Bissaka, right? Yeah. If that was the peak, then everything that happened in those final, that is, after that 60th minute in terms of the give it, giveaways in their own third, was just a complete travesty to watch. 
It's 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 kind of uh, symptomatic of United season in a nutshell, isn't it? You go from a peak to a trough real quick. Um, yeah. But you know what? I was actually extremely worried at that 60th minute. We just obviously wanted to play out from the back, and then you'd find clearances not clearing the halfway line. Uh, simple things that went out of play. We completely switched off from throw-ins. The amount of times Kyle Walker threw a ball in and then a midfielder was able to stroll into the middle of the park, I was I thought Man City were going to score, if I'm being honest, and I thought that was going to be the game because that's happened in the past. So I don't know. It's almost like, you know, when Arsenal were playing and Unai Emery, Emery always said play out from the back and then they just wouldn't use their brains once in a while and just kick it long because that's all yeah. that was required. This is what was required, and I, I was... I don't know if like players were getting tired and switching off. I also think that Man City pushed up just a little higher where they squeezed Scott and Fred so we can no longer get the ball to them anymore. So they were mm-hmm. very smart from that aspect. But they need to really tighten that up. We're lucky that Man City was off their game because they could have made us pay. There were a couple of good opportunities in there. To your earlier point, if they had just shot the ball, they could have scored one. Talked about discipline being a theme in this match indirectly one of the things that helped United keep City quiet and maybe be a bit more reserved than we're accustomed to seeing is the fact that Pogba and Bruno played together. And I honestly thought the way City approached this match, they were so wary of seeing one of those two unleash United's break that it helped United defensively, that respect. And so you see the contrast you know, for me, Pogba had a better match than Bruno, but just the threat of Bruno being on the pitch is worth so much. That's something that Solskjaer is going to have to think about going forward in terms of carrying that threat offensively. Obviously, you need a bit more of a spark from the front two and the link-up play, but I think with those two, at least, you know, you're pushing teams on the back foot, at least in some regard, with their mentality. Good takeaway from this game is that Pogba showed that he is capable of playing in a disciplined role. He's capable of playing on the left side of those three defensive mids. And so going forward, there shouldn't be any excuses about, yeah, this is not a position he likes to play. He doesn't have the discipline or the defensive know-how. He has all of those things in spades. What's going to be interesting to see is if he'll keep it up after January and say, you know he's he's doing all this saying okay get me out of here january i move on everyone is everyone can move on and if he doesn't get that transfer what happens the rest of the season because let's face it it's going to be difficult to move him and so that is where i think the challenge will come it's simple if he doesn't show his application on the pitch uh, there's a i think there's a spot in the under 18s waiting for you <laughs> I think we've covered enough of this match. I don't know if there's anything we've missed out on. No, I think we're good. So let's quickly hand out the awards. Canton a caller, who would you say is your top candidate? So I thought long and hard about this one. And one person that really impressed me because he actually showed what he can do when he takes the ball forward is Scott McTominay. He had these moves where he had these body feints where he was able to do this quick turn and then open up the field ahead of him because City were pressing him so much that once he was able to break that press, he was able to find someone. And I think that if he can do that on a more regular basis with a fewer touches, 
I think the tempo of our game will be that much faster where he might just find himself playing regularly. Because I think if he can do that, United in playing the lesser teams can get away with one defensive midfielder as opposed to two. So that would be my Cantona caller. The other thing I would add to Scott that I saw in this match and I've seen flashes of in previous matches is teams have no respect for his attacking threat. So every time he puts his head up to pass, you see the opposition back off and it catches whoever's in front of him flat-footed. So when he does that quick look up and then actually just drives by them, they can't keep up with him. And so that was something that he used a couple of times in this match that I would like to see more of that got him out of uh, high-pressure situations. And and one other thing that, you know, I always thought that United were a little too nice with the opponent was not fouling them enough and tactically fouling them. Mm. And I thought he did that very well today. He didn't get a yellow card when he easily could have. He broke up a lot of plays as well. So uh, I think for all of those reasons, I was very impressed with the way he played. I, th- I actually thought there was a bit of tit for tat going as well because City were really committing those tactical fouls early as well. And United yes. were like, hey, you know what? Here's a taste of your own medicine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I completely agree. Uh, do, do you have any other candidates or do you agree with that for a Cantona caller? I don't mind giving it to Scott. I just think from the perspective that we discussed last time where maybe we don't give defenders enough credit, I thought Harry Maguire was incredible in this match. You look at the two blocks he had that were absolutely crucial, just getting his head to balls again and again and again. And I like the fact that now you can see his confidence in the passing where he's going for more of those aerial balls. Because before it was always trying to be as careful as possible, that simple pass along the ground to whoever was nearest to him. And now he's driving the ball more. He's playing more of those lobs to midfielders. And I think he's coming along nicely. Uh, So he would be... Uh, another candidate that I would have as well. I, I don't know if we give it to both, if we give it to one. Um, I think I would we, lean towards Harry just because we haven't sort of maybe given enough love to a defender. So I think you make a good point because there were two very crucial blocks that Harry made. He made one against Raheem Sterling where he, that was the one time he sat Aaron Wan-Bissaka down and had yeah. blocked at the near post. And then the second time was when Kevin De Bruyne was going to shoot and it was on target. So I think maybe, you know, I, I think you've persuaded me enough. Those might have been the tiebreakers to, to give it to Harry because we have given him the boot sometimes. So it's only fair. Beckham boot. It's a toss up for me between Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes. And I think because Bruno has been so good all season and as you correctly pointed out, those balls that he's off on, he's the main person you're depending on for that. And it is a high degree of difficulty. I think the expectations for Marcus in terms of his duties, you're right in saying that it's not a role he's suited to. But sometimes you have to have some adaptability as well to the plan. I, th- I think he was probably the weakest player on the pitch for me. Yeah, I don't have any complaints with giving it to Marcus. I think, you know, being a Manchester lad uh, and being a leader in this team, a little more, bit more is expected of him, and uh, especially in the Manchester derby, didn't quite show it. The final award, we've been calling it the long staff long shot for 
a while now, but we're making a bit of a transition. We feel that we're better off just awarding the best player on the opposition. And Ferguson once called City the noisy neighbors. We obviously know that moment Aguero had. And so I feel like noisy, uh, noisy neighbor is probably fitting for this award now. Who was your noisy neighbor for this City match? Yeah, Vivek, I think, you know what, the City game is a perfect time to to rename that award. So I I think uh, Noisy Neighbor is a fantastic way to just describe the opponent. In this game, it was hard for me to pick, but I think just showing his class time and time again, Kevin De Bruyne, with some of those passes that he was, he was unleashing, uh, he definitely unlocked our defense. Um, and so for me, Kevin De Bruyne would be the front runner for that award. Yeah, I have, I have no disagreement there. I thought he was excellent. I was surprised, honestly, with the success that De Bruyne was having. In some moments, it almost looked like he just needed that little extra help. And I thought someone like a Bernardo Silva, who has given United fits in the past, would have been a strong threat for Pep to go to, and he didn't, which I'm thankful for. You talk about unleashing City. I feel like another sign of how well United coped in the midfield battle today was when I watch City play, I look at how often Ederson is able to find his midfielders and find his defenders on the run. And there, that was few and far between today. Yeah, we intercepted a lot of Ederson's uh, kicks out of the back, actually, that led to some really good opportunities for us. So he's someone, you know, who low-key can always have an impact on City's success. When KDB is the only main threat, when Mares has to be subbed off, because he's not having quite the effect that you would expect going up against Luke Shaw, when Raheem Sterling is getting completely locked up by Aaron Juan Bissaka, I think he was easily uh, the best performer for them. So that's a good call. I, 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 if there was anyone that was maybe close to him, it'd probably be Kyle Walker. Yeah, Kyle Walker did really well because he was running up and down the pitch quite a bit. Now we can move on to the next match, which will be Sheffield United on Tuesday, December 15th. That's an away match, so... United should feel good about their chances of winning. They should feel good about their chances of scoring goals. And Sheffield, obviously, as we know, is right at the bottom of the table uh, in that relegation zone. How, how do you feel about that matchup? Yeah, Sheffield United, you know, for how well they played last season, it, I don't know what, it, what has happened, but you know how sometimes you always need some new fresh blood in the squad. And I think Sheffield haven't had that squad rotation quite as much. And I think uh, their players... Are starting to feel it and have missing Dean Henderson. Yeah, and they're missing Dean Henderson, right? You're just missing that presence at the back. He, and we know how vocal he can be, but I really hope that this isn't Sheffield United's coming out party against us. But <laughs> we, we definitely have a tendency of bringing that out in other teams. But I think that United should do well. They have, you know, rested some of their players, and, you know, Martial, I think, will probably start that game coming back into the thick of things. I think uh, I can see United winning that game probably by at least two goals. You mentioned resting players. Any fresh faces that you would like to see in the starting lineup? I think that I would love to know what uh, the situation with Cavani is. 
I would also like to see Alex Tellers in the game, just because we know how Luke Shaw is when it comes to playing games right after injury. And the last thing we want is for him to get re-injured. And with a mm-hmm. really hectic December, as we all know, with the fixture list, I think it's the time to rotate, especially since Luke put in quite a bit. And you could see him go down at one point during the game today. So I would probably swap those two out just to keep them fresh. We've talked before about showing adequate respect to your opposition. I felt United didn't do enough of that with West Ham. With this match, I think this is an opportunity that you have. Sure, Lindelof played really well, but I think this is an opportunity to get Axel Twanzebe in there and say, hey, show us what you got. Let's breed you an opportunity here in the Premier League and let's see you make the most of it. You know what? That's one... I'll probably disagree with you on that one because I, I have seen that teams have a tendency once they get like a good partnership between their two center backs going, they tend to keep it that way, especially when you're on a roll. And so after a clean sheet, if let's say one of them is taken out of the fray, I can see that maybe having uh, a negative effect on the team. So I don't know if uh, Ole will do that. Time will tell. I think that should just about cover it for this episode. A reminder, we are on Twitter at RedCouchManx. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to subscribe and join us after every match and let your friends who might be interested know about it too. Review and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.